Welcome to a very special episode of Talking Payroll. My name is Tracy Angwin. In this episode, I speak with John Shepherd, Assistant Commissioner for Superannuation at the Australian Tax Office, as well as Single Touch Payroll and Superstream Program Lead. John has been working at the ATO since January 1991 and has had various roles in that time, but he spent the last two years developing and rolling out the Single Touch Payroll reform. Seven months in, the ATO is collecting STP data from 58,000 employers, 42,000 of those with more than 20 employees. These 58,000 employers pay over 4 million employees, so that's an awful lot of data that the ATO is collecting already. I hope you enjoy this episode with John as much as I did recording it. Ladies and gentlemen, here's John Shepherd. Hi, John. Uh, welcome to the Talking Payroll podcast. Hi, Tracy. Uh, great to join you today. Now, according to LinkedIn, you have been at the ATO for 28 years. Um, I just got that message, I think, only yesterday um, with your 28-year anniversary. Tell me, um, what are the different roles that you've played in the ATO and how did you get involved in Superstream and now Single Touch Payroll? Oh, look, it's hard to believe it's 28 years. It's gone so quickly. So, um, I, yeah, I did start as a graduate back, and LinkedIn's good at reminding you about those anniversaries too. <laughs> it's rude, isn't it? <laughs> um, but I did start as a graduate way back in the early 90s, and I've done a whole range of different things. So I worked in audit areas um, initially um, and then got into work around lodgement compliance and, and then into our big change program back in the early 2000s, um, which moved on to a whole lot of different roles around um, information management and then um, superannuation and had the um, opportunity to get involved with the Superstream implementation working with Philip Hine. So um, that was kind of my lead into single touch payroll, which obviously went out to the same employer group as Superstream and were able to use a whole lot of the learnings from that Superstream program, um, which was a great success um, to set up for single touch payroll. Great. So we're seven months into uh, STP now. How's it gone and what have you learned so far? Oh, look, we're, we're, it's gone really, really well and we're really pleased so far with the um, the, the progress. Um, look, there's, you know, always challenges along the way here, but if you had asked me at the start of last year, would um, would we be as, would be where we are today? Um, and I would have um, would have jumped at um, actually being, being as far progressed as we are because um, things have gone really smoothly. We've actually um, got some really good um, numbers of reporting. We're around 58,000 employers now reporting. Um, and that includes around 42,000 with 20 or more employees. So that's a really big number, reporting on behalf of some 4 million employees every payday. So that's a great step along, acknowledging that some of the largest employers are still to do their implementation. Um, and we do expect those implementations to commence um, in the next few months. Um, and we'll have most of our substantial employers, that's our 20 or more, is reporting by June. Wow. And um, that's quite extraordinary. That is quite extraordinary in a 12-month period for such a big change. Um, I was actually going to ask you, you know, about the percentages of employees that are, that are live, but um, I, I guess the biggest challenge from here on is going to be the small employers, is it? Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. Look, I think, um, again, we've done a lot of work on the small employer implementation. The biggest challenge we know there is that um, most employers are, in fact, really small, so less than five employees. And many of those don't actually use a payroll product. Lots use things like Excel. There's still a lot of paper and manual processes involved. Um, so we've been working really hard with industry to identify solutions that those, those micro-employers could use. Um, and that's not just full payroll solutions, but some alternate reporting solutions as well. 
Um, but yes, you're right. The small employer implementation is, is going to be a big challenge. There's around 700 and I think it's around 730,000 employers with less than 20 or 19 or fewer employees in Australia. Um, and wow. that's that's a that's a great challenge for us um, to work through this year. Um, acknowledging we don't have legislation finalised yet, there was a bit of reporting late last year that um, our legislation was through um, the Senate. It did get um, through the Senate, but there was a minor amendment to the bill that's got to go back to the House of Reps um, on the 12th of Feb when it um, resumes. So um, we're hoping that's just a formality and we'll be full soon ahead this year. Right. In New Zealand, they have... Uh uh, a system where I'm not sure that I think they're at the end of it, but there were certainly some years where the government um, had a small subsidy for small employers to actually outsource their payroll. Have you thought of that as a solution or as um, a partial solution? Look, um, those kind of things have been kicked around back to the very early STP um, legislation and, and first um, consultation. There was talk of a rebate. Um, or a um, tax offset, in fact, which was consulted on. It was only $100. I think the difficulty is um, appropriately targeting those subsidies and still making them affordable um, and mm. making sure that they're not exploited as well. So a lot of the feedback we had through consultation suggested that um, we were better to target any kind of um, help and assistance in the form of um, training and things, particularly for advisors, um, rather than trying to do it sure. through subsidies of payroll costs and things. Sure. And I, from memory, the New Zealand subsidy was actually quite generous, so the government was probably paying to, for, the, for the small employers to do their payroll for some years. Yeah, they um, were, and in fact, I think they announced that, as you said, that they were going to stop it, and I think recently mm. it was extended. Interestingly, New Zealand are about to start um, their pay, payday filing, um, and I think that kicks off from April, and that's for all employers in New Zealand have to start mm. in April this year. So. Um, lots happening there as well. Yeah, interesting. I think, um, you know, taxpayers, both, you know, private people and companies think that the ATO have got these huge resources to do their work. And from what I've seen for, and from sitting on the STP Employer Engagement Committee, it's it's been a really big learning curve for your teams as well. And, you know, having to get a really good understanding about how payroll works, the industry, the role that technology plays, you know, the huge range of different payroll processes and all the places in those processes that human error can make it go wrong. And your your team probably feel like they know more about payroll than they ever wanted to. So what's the priority right now in terms of analysing the data? I mean, you're collecting a huge amount of data already. What's the priority in terms of analysing that data? Uh, look, I think there's a few priorities. Here. You mentioned the small business challenge. Um, we, we know we've still got to work through, and you're right about learning about payroll and the complexities, and I think a lot of that's still to come as I mentioned, with the very largest employers have the most complexity of their payroll processes. So our guys are still learning something new all the time on that front. And, and this has been a massive challenge and, and new thing for the ATO to get into. Very different to asking employers um, or agents to send us a new form. Um, it's been a very different process taking that data with all its anomalies, um, just take it straight from the payroll each payday and saying to businesses, you don't need to reconcile every payday before you send to us. Just send us what you paid your employees and, and there is a chance to do that at the end of the year. So that's been quite a shift. Um, that's meant our, our focus from a use of data perspective is very much in a learning phase. Um, we are analysing the data as it comes in, trying to look at what we see might be some anomalies there um, around discrepancies, for example, with the withholding amounts or super amounts. Um, but acknowledging that we've got a lot to learn, we've been very careful with our interactions with, with the employers and mostly just testing to see, have we seen, is what we're seeing what we think it is? 
um, or and also trying to learn when things will self-correct because you know the reporting regime has been set up so that um, employers can send year-to-date figures and if there is an error they just correct that in the next pay period so for us it's about not over intervening and causing because that was probably a big learning we got from the UK rollout of real-time information some years ago was that they over-engineered their interaction it's always tempting for governments to try to do that sure and employers will thank you for that um you know that strategy I'm sure I mean, have you found anything that's in the data and in, in, in terms of trends or analysis that has surprised you that you didn't think that you would you would discover? Um, surprise? Yeah, look, there's lots of surprises, I suppose, because they're things we just still need to understand better. But, um, you know, I think what it's, what it's shown us is what we learned very early on was that um, this data has anomalies, right? It's, it's actually clean. There is, there's always anomalous processes in a payroll process. And um, there's always things that look a bit funny and, and we'll kind of iron out or correct out. So, there's, But they're also what I think we've found is there's nearly always some kind of good explanation um, for some of those anomalies. Um, but, yeah, there's all sorts of things flying through there, you know, from working holiday maker uh, um, adjustments and things to um, some of the larger payrolls and, and some of the um, foreign employees and things like that. So um, we, yeah, as I said, no, no big surprises, but I think just that, there's just something new to learn every week. Mm. It's funny, you know, because we spend a lot of time sort of educating employers and the management of those employers about the complexities of payroll and it's not just a gross-to-net tax calculation. And, you know, the real work of, of a payroll specialist is the, you know, their the, own specific payroll expertise before the tax is even calculated. That's where the, you know, it, it's all the other things about payroll that make it complicated. And, in fact, I've been pretty vocal in the past when a single touch payroll was first uh, announced uh, just purely about the name because uh, you know single touch payroll is uh, just makes me look feel like there's a button somewhere that I, I could push um, you know I mean STP goes goes one step to ensuring employers are paying superannuation correctly but what else do you think employers can do because it is complicated to ensure that they pay their staff their wages and entitlements correctly and apply the, the correct tax treatment to payments Probably firstly, one of the things you just touched on is I should mention in terms of your question about surprises because I think one of the reasons we haven't had we haven't really been blown away by what we've seen and been doing is the great input we've had from industry and people mm-hmm. like yourselves as part of our engagement forums and um, our readiness group who really gave us good heads up about what to expect um, and all of the anomalies and things that we have seen. So what I would say is much of what we've seen has actually. Uh, what we've heard from the, our stakeholders um, who have worked with us has actually come true, which is not a surprise and which is why we've put so much into that stakeholder engagement process as well. But we've appreciated the insights we've had and it's meant the approach we've taken has has actually worked pretty well. Um, Feel looking, that, that's lucky we know what we're talking about. <laughs> uh, absolutely, absolutely. So, look, um, Feel. <laughs> I think back to your specific question was I think what more can, a, can employers do to make sure that they... Um, get their payrolls right, I guess it depends on a lot, obviously, on their size and the resources that they have available to them. So, you know, from the very large employers who um, will have um, specialist payrolls teams who actually can do QA and checks and balances and things uh, before they, before they um, start their STP reporting, um, some get external help um, or external reviews um, as part of that process. Um, right down to the middle and smaller that really, you know, the payroll person is the owner of the business when we get down to some of these smaller employers. So I think one of the best things I've heard is actually um, looking at 
Um, a lot of those anomalies that come up every year when you currently do your payment summary in your reporting process, and you're probably prepared to put up with, but you just make it, you just do fixes at the end of the year every year, and they're probably the same fixes. I think one of the best tips I've heard someone give is to say, um, suggest that you have a look at those and try to actually fix them one, once and for all, or otherwise you'll have those same issues every time you run your pay run. So um, it's not going to be something you want to put up with once a year if they're things are going to, you're reporting every payday um, and those same anomalies are coming through. So um, I think mm. that's probably one of the tips. I think that's one of the benefits, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of clean as you go and, and actually yeah. systemically hopefully deal with some of those things and get it right as much as possible um, up front rather than dealing with all that reverse workflow. Yeah, I think that's that's a huge benefit for employers that perhaps employers didn't really appreciate early on is that they're actually doing all the fixes in, on, on a period-by-period basis, not having to figure out why the, you know, 50 cents out at the end of the year. Um I mean, it, we always talk about education and, you know, it's 92% of people working in payroll don't have a qualification uh, in payroll. Um, I'd love to see a qualification, a payroll qualification tax credit because we, I mean, not that that's your area, <laughs> this is just me ranting, um, you know, when we go in and do work with employers when uh, we have to go in and remediate payroll issues or uh, do compliance audits, invariably it comes down to the humans that are part of that payroll process just didn't understand um, that they were, that no one's trying or very few people are trying to not be compliant. It's just that they don't have the, you know, the knowledge to actually be compliant. So um, that's, that's, I'd love to see employers really uh, focused on, on making sure everyone who touches payroll really genuinely knows what they're doing. And look, I'm not one to talk to, obviously, as you said, about a tax credit, but I won't comment on that. But um, in terms of <laughs> edit that bit out. <laughs> the things, ah, oh, that's fine. Look, and the, and they're, they're good conversations to have with government and treasury, obviously. But um, I think um, one of the things I've really noted is just the dedication of payroll people and how much they uh, want to get it right, um, and Absolutely. how important they are to organisations, but also how often poorly resourced they are. So, in some ways, I think I know um, the feedback I've heard and from some is. It's been great to get some spotlight on the payroll areas and perhaps get some attention they really deserve and need um, for a while and maybe some more resources in some cases as well to be able to actually address some of these things and not have to be the one kind of working around the work, you know, the workarounds and the, the fix-ups after the fact, which is, you know, often the case because they're not or they're not often seen as the kind of critical area of the business, although interestingly, if the payroll goes wrong, um, not a lot goes right for your business, obviously. Mm, exactly right. Now, there have been some issues, and I'm, I'm interested to see where, where it's at, with uh, some of the payroll outsource providers not being able to remit STP files on behalf of their clients because they're not tax agents, and that they should be, I mean, they should be registered with the Tax Practitioners Board anyway, but many are not. I understand there's now a solution to this? Um, yeah, well, my understanding as well is that the TPB, um, the Tax Practitioner Board, has written to those payroll providers and um, told them they need to get be registered. Uh, also, they do need to have a registered um, someone registered with a TPB to submit on behalf of. So um, that that is my understanding about where how the line has been drawn on that, and I think there's a progressive um, that will happen over over the next little while. Um, is what oh, okay. we'll see. So, but that's my understanding of the outcome there. Oh, okay, I, for some reason I thought I had thought there might have been a technology solution, but okay, that well that well that's a good thing anyway because they should be registered absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. 
Now, once some, um, I mean, once this sort of first phase of STPs bedded down, and it sounds like it's you know it's well on the way. I mean, with four million employees being processed, I mean that's is that a third? That's a third of the working population, and over a third. Yeah, I think um, around that. Yeah, that's right. And we expect around 10 million um, as part of the 20 or more employees. So by by June this year, we're expecting that figure will be close to 10 million and, and then the rest of the employees will come with the small employer implementation. Wow, that's huge. What about future phases? I mean, where should we expect the ATO to be taking this in terms of data intelligence and sharing data with other agencies? Um, well, we already share um, a lot of data um, with other agents, other government agencies now. Um, including the states and territories uh, around their payroll tax from a compliance perspective, as well as um, obvious ones, uh, Department of Human Services um, and Centrelink around their payments mm-hmm. of welfare, with all the different welfare payments and child support, etc. Um, so we are looking at how we can actually share the data that we once got once a year. That data is clearly more valuable um, getting it each payday. Um, and so um, moving from here, there's, there's certainly still government decisions to be made around future phases, but initially at least we'll be looking to share the data more frequently. Um, and then there's decisions for government to be made about whether there's further data um, in that payroll process um, that could add benefits to the welfare system in terms of how it's administered and also give better outcomes for individuals because that's ultimately what it's all about. Um, if you think about um, people who are um, inadvertently being or are being paid a salary um, and then not um, made a mistake and haven't declared that properly to Centrelink, um, having to go back and repay um, welfare payments when you've actually spent the money is not a great outcome. So um, we do see huge benefits in being able to um, provide that real-time STP information and stop overpayments of benefits and family tax uh, benefits, including things like family tax benefits um, and having to repay, et cetera, um, pick it up at the time and stop those payments from being made. Mm. And even things like, you know, if someone has a second job and they either inadvertently claim a tax-free threshold or someone in payroll inadvertently claims it for them yeah. uh, and then they get a tax bill at the end of the year, that's, um, yeah, that's very unpleasant. My, that's one of my favourite examples, actually, I think, you know, because people think, uh, you know, and look, there was a lot of early talk about this, you know, the benefits of STP for employers and, and the red tape reduction and streamlining. And, and look, I know I've had a bit of a challenge selling that with the, with the more frequent the reporting every payday instead of once a year. Certainly the benefits to employers will, will accrue over time and some of them are not as obvious around things we talked earlier about, about the reduction in a lot of those reverse workflows. But those examples are very strong for individuals, both the um, not getting a tax bill at the end of the year because you're getting your withholding tax right and we can notify people who are getting, as you said, two tax-free thresholds and, and they're going to get a bill so that they can adjust that early and not get a bill shock. Um, same with higher education loans that are falling due because someone's crossed the threshold. That's another one. Um, and importantly, the really big one, and this is really important in that small employer market, in the small employer rollout, is super guarantee integrity. Mm. So individuals making sure that the super is actually being paid. Um, that new reporting we're starting from the funds this year, where the super funds are reporting all contributions received uh, within 10 days uh, rather than once a year, will allow us to actually have a look at both the liabilities reported by the employer each payday and then that the payments are actually flowing through to the super account. And if not, actually jumping on them quite quickly. Um, Again, Mm. we don't often hear about this until some years even down the track and and it's really difficult to collect super back for an employee and it's the employee ultimately who misses out here. Um, Very hard to collect that back after months and years have gone past. Well, exactly. And I imagine if, you know, 
Is it the case that a lot of employers that don't pay super are doing it for cash flow reasons, so they could be out of business by the time the employee finds out they were underpaid? Quite a frequent occurrence, absolutely. I mean, you know, there's no money. There is no money to collect, unlike withholding, which is underwritten by the government and you still get the credit for your withholding on your tax return. You just miss out. The employer misses out on the super. Mm. I imagine the state, your, your colleagues at the state revenue offices might be quite keen on getting this data as well. No, absolutely. And um, look, there are, again, as I said, there's, there's some work to do there about, um, from a policy perspective, government perspective, to make some decisions about that. But the thing that, um, I, don't know, I don't know who's more excited, those state revenue authorities or the um, employers themselves who pay payroll tax in more than one state. Um, because having wow. talked to a few people um, and tax agents in a tax agent I spoke to, for example, in Albury, having to deal with um, payroll tax regimes across various states when they're all different um, is really complicated. And it just is a hot, it really does drive a whole lot of extra red tape. Um, it sure does, yeah. So, um, yeah, great, great um, reasons to look at extending it um, to meet the needs of the states and territories and really streamlining employers. They're great benefits for employers to be had if we can actually make that happen. Mm. So, so John, thank, I, I, it's been really interesting um, watching this journey and I think it's, uh, you know, it's, it's been extraordinarily uh, well managed and planned and executed. Um, so congratulations for that. Your team is, is really good. Everyone I've ever worked with in your team is just doing, a, from what I can see anyway, a great job. Um, employers are, you know, once now employers really understand where you're trying to go, get to with this, I think they're genuinely uh, happy to be involved and, and can see now can see the benefits, um, the short-term and the long-term benefits to them and their employees. What's your what's your main focus for this year for 2019? Uh, what would at the end of the year what would uh, what would a job well done look like for you? Uh, look, the most important, the very first one I'll mention is a couple of things and. Um, the very important one is making sure that all those employers with 20 or more employees um, complete their implementation this year. We it, we have had um, a number of deferrals in place, um, particularly for the larger employers and some of those more complex, larger products. Um, all of those products are now ready um, and available, so there's none of the payroll products that haven't got their um, STP up and running. Um, so it's time to really get on with the plans. And um, for those that have got deferrals, through to, say, March or April this year. Um, Don't sit on your hands and and expect that you can come in in April and say, I need another deferral. Um, We really need to see the the movement there now and getting people. So there will be obviously reasons why uh, in very limited circumstances people might still need some additional time and and we will be open to those. But last thing I want is that employers think they can keep kicking this down the road. They really need to get on. It's been um, a very generous period of deferral um, this year. And so um, it's now time to get on and make that happen um, so that we can then move on to the implementation for small employers. And that's the next, you know, big important focus for this year is getting the information out, hopefully getting our legislation finalised in the next couple of weeks and then getting a whole lot of information out to advisors and employers about what they need to do um, as a small employer coming into STP. Um, we, have, um, we are going to have similar flexibility as we had for the large employer implementation and as well as a whole lot of options, as I mentioned, around low-cost reporting solutions. So it's not a case to be fearful of um, STP and the cost. Uh, We really are working closely with industry to make sure there's really affordable solutions here and that there'll be a lot of flexibility as well about how employers come on board and advisors are particular, you know, a key in that, um, particularly for those who are very hands-on with their small employers' payroll 
and very hands-on with their small employers, BAS and things. So there's some really good options available to those. Um, so our focus this year will be getting out, sharing that information, making sure people know what they need to do. And if they need you know, that flexibility and more time, they know how to access it. Well, it's going to be another big year, I think, for your for your team, and I, I wish you well. Um, and as ever, we are happy to help in any way we can. I will just um, mention one other thing, Tracy. I know I yeah, sure. appreciate um, your support, of course, but um, one of the things that is a focus for this year is actually um, a little known bit of single touch payroll, which is the employee commencement services. Um, we have now um, got um, the TFN declaration and Super Choice form coming available in um, ATO online or in MyGov. Um, and those will we'll start to roll those out this year um, with the idea that um, really people can streamline that onboarding process in regards to the TFN deck and choice forms. So that'll be a pre-fill of those forms with ATO, the information held by the ATO. Um, and importantly, being able to put in front of employees their existing super accounts and the balances and also um, their nominated de um, default account to enable that better choice, um, clearer choice of super fund, because one of the things that the government was very keen to achieve from here was that um, we stopped the proliferation of super, of people just choosing default automatically without actually looking at sure. their existing accounts and then having to go through a consolidation process at some point. So um, that that's another focus for this year. Now those services are available, is actually working to actually get those rolled out as well. Sure. And I suppose it's an education process, isn't it, for employees that, you know, my gov's your one-stop shop. For, for all the information that you need. Yeah, absolutely. And and of course, and we've also got an option where you can go through your software. Again, a lot of employees with larger employers, um, there are on there is onboarding software that's often used for new employees. Um, and mm -hmm. we have got an interaction service set up that would allow people to go through their software still um, and then interact with MyGov when they get to the TFM deck and choice form. But the data then would come back into the employer software so it's quite it's fairly seamless interaction which is great brilliant brilliant well we're working with uh uh with some suppliers of uh you know those those products as well so um and that they're, they're really starting to become you know more prolific in, in the industry too yeah no great and look big thanks to the to yourself and the australian payroll association we really appreciated the support um and, and i work worked really well together um, over a number of things I'm looking forward again this year, hopefully get another Guernsey at the Australian Payroll Conference. We'll get you on the big stage this year, John. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thank you so much for your time. You're always uh, generous with your time. Our, our clients and our members are always very happy to hear from you. Um, and, I, I, again, we're more than happy to help in any way we can. And uh, I wish you a, a, very, a very successful year just like the last one. No, really appreciate that, Tracy, and um, and again, thanks for having me on your podcast. Hi, this is Tracy. I hope you enjoyed that last episode of Talking Payroll. If you've got any comments or questions, please email them to us at podcast at ostpayroll.com.au. And look, if there's anyone that you'd love to hear on this podcast or someone that you think that I just have to interview, and maybe that's even you, please let us know by emailing podcast at austpayroll.com.au. That's podcast at austpayroll.com.au. I'm really looking forward to having you listen again next time I'm talking payroll.